This is not a job for just anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Only Darth Vader can handle this. Well, the Emperor doesn't take subterfuge lightly. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. It's spring, and may the fourth be with you. First up this week, we get dicey when the Rebels try to play their hand before the Empire rolls over them in Star Wars Destiny. Next up, we find ourselves in Episode 4 as the Rebels play a dangerous game of cat and mouse against the Imperial Onslaught in Star Wars Rebellion. And lastly, we lead the genre's most beloved Gungan through a pop-up quest for glory in Star Wars Episode One: Jar Jar Binks 3D Adventure Game. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. I'm Evan Bernstein. Do or do not. There is no try. I'm Ed Povolitic. Come to the dark side. I'm Joe Unfried, and don't you call me a mindless philosopher, you overweight ball of grease! Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and I never let the Wookiee win. Hi, everybody. We've got a midweek treat coming up for you. Evan did a Witch Game First interview with Dominic Crepuche of North Star Games. Yes, it was a lot of fun to chat with him about topics such as game designing, running a gaming company, and how the industry has changed just over the past 10 years. So please be sure to check it out midweek. And please review, share, and subscribe to the podcast whenever possible. Thanks. Our first game up this week is Star Wars Destiny, designed by Corey Kaneska and Lucas Litzinger, published by Fantasy Flight Games in 2016, number of players 2, ages 10 and up, playtime 30 minutes. Okay, when we cracked open the carbonite and found this one, what were our first impressions? Mike? Classic light versus dark duel. I'm in. Evan? Collectible dice. That alone grabs my attention. Ed? The dice are huge and super shiny. Joe? I love the idea of the classic characters facing off. This time, the Rebels have everybody. There's Ray, Poe Dameron, Young Luke, Old Luke, Young Leia, Jango Fett, Mace Windu. Now, if they can't win once and for all with this crew, they should just accept subjugation. But before we cue the Imperial Death March, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. Star Wars Destiny is a two-player dual-style card game and dice game. One player is the Rebel side, and the other plays the Imperial side. Players get a 20-card deck and two character cards with corresponding custom dice. The deck has upgrades for the characters, events, and support cards. Players play their cards out, usually one at a time, in back-and-forth actions. Many of the cards stay out and get a custom die that the player can roll to attack or gain other benefits. The first player to defeat their opponent's characters or run them out of cards wins the game. And the galaxy. I love the dice and card combo in this game. It works very smoothly. When you get a character, you get dice that come with it. You get to roll those dice if you're going to use your character in certain ways. Yeah, and the dice are specifically designed to work well with the character on the board because the character has certain things that they can do when certain sides of the dice are rolled. And you can tell like a combat type character will have more combat sides in their dice and stuff like that. 
Kyle will do more melee damage, while Poe Dameron's more focused on the, the blaster combat. Yeah, right? And that's an important distinction. Right. The two types of attacks can be deflected in two different kinds of ways. And there's, there's supporting characters, too, that can do different things, like C-3PO which, and R2-D2. They add extra dice, too, but they are more for aid. They'll give you more resources or allow you to re-roll your dice. And when we say custom dice, we mean it. In this game, every card that has a die has a custom, unique die that specifically represents the actions unique to that card. Neat. Yeah, and there's a high-resolution image of the card art on the die itself. I don't think I've ever seen dice that are anything like the dice in this game. Now, are these dice screen-printed or stickered? So my, my understanding is, is that the, the, these dice are actually printed, and then they have a glossy coating on them. I think they develop a new process for these dice. I haven't seen anything like it before. And not only do you get the cool custom dice from the starter packs that you get, you can also buy booster packs that have cards and matching dice inside of them that are, you know, randomly distributed. Now, this is one of their few customizable games, meaning that the not only is there, they're customizable, but the packs are random. A lot of the other Fantasy Flight products, they had a set component list in them. But these are like Magic the Gathering. Every deck is random. You, not know, you don't know what you're going to get. Yep, and the booster packs too, same thing. This is a collectible card game. That doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it with just the starter deck, but there are a lot of cards, and Fantasy Flight does not skimp on art. Every character you recognize is looking fabulous, is doing its high (laughs) action. I look fabulous. Yeah, is doing its high action (laughs) scenes. The wind is blowing through their hair. They've got good energy. You know, there is a lot to look at, and none of it is dull. I mean, the card with Luke Skywalker on it, and I I believe it actually had his hair blowing. Yeah, and you could still recognize him perfectly. His facial expression was, you know, emotional. I love the layout of these cards, too. A lot of times, indie card games, which I love, can be a little messy. Obviously, with Fantasy Flight, you get a professional layout, but it's so clear. There's a lot going on in this game between the dice and the special abilities on the cards that... It could have gotten messy very fast. Everything is super clear. Yeah, I like that um, even though all the complexity, the game structures is fairly simple. There are three different types of cards. Events which you play and then are discarded. There are upgrades which provide your characters with new dice to roll. Then there are supports which support your character and fight alongside them. So supports are stuff like ships. Sometimes um, support squads or combat squads. Like uh, I think in one case, uh, Luke is a support character. A lot of the support characters on the Rebel side are other characters, yeah. You've got two main characters that you play, and they have special abilities, and they have their own custom dice. So you're going to pick those two original characters that you're going to play through uh, based on how you want to play. So if you want to play combat heavy, you're going to pick Kylo Ren. If you want to blend two, like a support style character and a, and a combat character, you can do that. And it will make a difference. And it doesn't necessarily have to be two. You get kind of a point buy system where you have a certain amount of points to spend and each character costs a certain amount of points to put in. So you can have like three slightly weaker characters that are good for supporting, or you could have two, you know, rough and tumble characters that work together really well. Yes, what you do is you get 30 points to build your characters. And some characters, you can bring two dice for them. Meaning, if you bring just one of their dice, it costs 
a lower number of points, but you can bring two of their dice and it'll cost more points. Right. So you can just play one character even with two dice, like one really strong character with two dice if you want to. I wouldn't suggest that because you do have a certain amount of health before the character dies. And if it's the only target, they're going to go down pretty fast. Right. But it's really satisfying to to go through your deck and as you pull cards, adding more dice to your dice pool to be able to do more actions. You feel mm -hmm. that build up and it's really fun. So along with your team, where you build up your character, you also build up a deck. Your deck can have 30 cards. Oh, wait. I thought it was 20 cards. The 20 cards is for the starter set. The starter set comes with a set pair of two characters that actually add up to less than 30 character points. And then there are a 20-card deck for the starter set. I noticed you really have to mix up the offense and defense in this game. You can't really go all one way or the other one. Ray was on my side, and she she just got hit a lot in the uh, in the beginning. And I never switched gears to try and take the offensive away. I was just constantly putting on armor and and healing and stuff. And that's you know that's no way to win. Well, the rebels definitely lean heavy on their defensive powers, and the and the empire is a little more offensive. But yeah, you do need a little touch of each one to be able to win. You take very short actions on your turn. So you can only do one thing, unless you have a special card, lets you do a little more. You can roll a dice, or you can use a special ability, or you can play one card, and then it's the other person's turn. And I love the going back and forth until somebody finally says, pass. And one fun thing about pass is you're actually playing on a special card. There's a card at the beginning of the game you choose called the playing field, and the first person to pass gets to take that playing field card, use the special ability on it, and go first next turn. The downside to passing first is the other side then gets to use as many actions as they want. I was the first one to pass quite a bit, and I thought it was beneficial, but it was a little bit nerve-wracking watching Joe <laughs> continue playing unimpeded. Yeah, you got to be very careful about when you choose to pull that trigger because yeah. your opponent's looking too like, well, I don't have much more I could do anyway, and you don't want them to grab it from you. That mechanic has two really good functions. It not only wrangles the complexity of the game in by only focusing on one action at a time, but it also adds a really interesting strategic element of wondering what you should do in what order and what mm -hmm. you want to show yourself doing to your opponent. The short turns really threw me because I w kept thinking, well, is this it? My turn can't be over already. I must <laughs> be forgetting something. Now, yeah. There's got to be some other critical thing for me to do. It really contributes to the game being very fast-paced. Another mechanic I really like is how the, using the dice is a two-step process. First, you activate the characters and roll all the dice that are on them into your pool. And then... Dice that are in your pool, you can resolve, and you can resolve all the dice that match the same icon. So sometimes you want to take some time and get all your dice in the pool first so you can save some action by combining the same action. They can only know what you can potentially do until you roll those dice. Right. I think it's actually a more friendly, amicable way to resolve what would be in magic an interrupt. Whereas right. when yeah. you, you know, huh. when you play a card, it's like, ha, I'm going to do this. And then you're like, no, you're not this in this way. It's like, <laughs> I'm, I may do this in the future. Here is what I'm about to do. Right. There's no stack of actions to resolve in reverse order. You're kind of saying, well, I'm going to 
counter this now before it gets out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> and that actually leads to some interesting choices because it's like, well, I want to do this thing now, but he has that option now. If I don't interrupt that now, he can do that. So do I do what I want to do or do I stop him from doing what he wants to do? Yeah, it's a great push and pull for this game. If I was going to regularly play a collectible card game, I think it would be this one for a couple of reasons. I enjoy collecting stuff that you can interact with rather than just look at. There's so much interesting, uh, engaging art that you can use to do stuff with. And that I really enjoyed. There are so many decks to choose from. We played with the Kylo Ren starter deck and the Rey starter deck, but there's a Boba Fett starter deck, a Luke Skywalker starter deck, Obi-Wan, General Grievous. And you can combine them too in any kind of proportion that you want. All right, fellow game Jawas, it's time to dig up or bury Star Wars Destiny. Ed? The classic deck building duel, but now with dice, which does add a little sweetiness to the game. So that may not be to everyone's taste, but for me, it adds a fun element to the battle. Dig it up. Joe? I wrestled with this a bit, but it keeps the action fast in a way that fits the tactical focus it needs. I see no flaws in this design. Dig it up. Evan? I was in a state far, far away when this game was played. So abstain, I must. Mike? I've played this game for several hours and look forward to several more, so dig it up. Dice cards, fantasy flights, impeccable mechanics, and every hero of the canon. Dig it up. I saw the starter sets online available for about $15. If you have thoughts about Star Wars Destiny, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Star Wars Rebellion, designed by Corey Kaneska, published by Fantasy Flight Games in 2016. Number of players, two to four, ages 14 and up. Playtime, three to four hours. Okay, when we sliced the Tauntaun open and this spilled out, what were our first thoughts? Mike? Celeste and I, working together as the plucky Rebellion. Challenge accepted. Evan? I see no signs of Ewoks, Gungans, or Porgs, so that's a big plus right off the bat. Ed? The galaxy is a pretty big place. Good thing this Death Star should narrow down the hiding places. Joe? It looks like the Empire's advantage in military production is no joke. Calling it considerable seems a bit of an understatement. Uh, did we lose our copy of Twilight Imperium? Is that why we're playing this? <laughs> but before we comb the stars for a good hideout, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. Star Wars Rebellion is a board game of epic conflict between the Galactic Empire and Rebel Alliance during the Galactic Civil War. Players take control of iconic characters from the original Star Wars trilogy, sending them on secret missions and leading troops in combat across the galaxy. Each side has very different strategies and objectives. The Rebel Alliance is vastly outnumbered and cannot survive a head-on fight. Instead, it must remain hidden and rely on subterfuge, guerrilla tactics, and diplomacy to undermine the Empire. The Rebels win the game by gaining enough support to start a full-scale galactic revolt and overthrow the Empire. The Galactic Empire is a vast, tyrannical regime that rules the galaxy with an iron fist. They win the game by finding where the Rebel base is located and conquering it. Uh, asymmetrical games are really tough to balance, but I think this one did a really good job at it. I agree. I think the East Side has a very different style of play, but they have the tools to do them. 
the Rebels are trying to run the clock out, basically, and maybe slip in a couple missions here and there. But that feeling of hopelessness for them was palpable. I think they intended that. The ability of the Empire to pull out units on the board is huge. Oh, man, they put out so much stuff. It's, like, terrifying. Like, I at one round, I built, like... Two soldiers, one small ship, and an X-Wing, and they built two Star Destroyers in the same turn, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. I did draw a comparison between this and Twilight Imperium at the beginning, but it really is a different feel because the, it is far more asymmetrical than that game is. In that you really do have to have a completely different tactic as the Rebellion. You are absolutely just hiding. Yeah. I mean, they just show up in a, sp- in a spot and the planet is instantly subjugated. Yeah. They don't have to do anything to gain their loyalty. <laughs> they just put a subjugation marker on there and boom, they're in charge. I like the limitations on how fast you can move across the map because the characters are using hyperspace to travel unimaginable distances. Uh, that's a, uh, that actually helps the Rebels a lot. Because they can't just co- they can't just comb everywhere and scan everything very very fast, to, you know, to figure out where things are. It really is a uh, challenging, you know, needle in the haystack search for them. When I first looked at the map, I was worried about that. I was like, "Are there enough planets for the rebels to hide out on?" <laughs> yeah, it felt I, tight. I, yeah, it felt really tight. But honestly, as gameplay unfolded, I did not think the Empire had an easy time finding us. They had kind of a cool mechanic of a process of elimination where every turn they would send a couple of probe droids out to eliminate planets that you could be on. Because every planet was listed in a stack of cards. And as they pulled them off, they know that we're not in those planets because we have the card of the secret rebel base that we're on. So they're like going through a checklist of planets. Has this one been checked? Has this one been checked? (laughs) This one's locked. Move on to the next one. Yeah. And it's got all the usual suspects. It's got Endor and Kashyyyk and Hoth and Dagobah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So the theme is really there. And I I think for the Empire, the real challenge begins up with, uh, you know, you have all this territory to cover. Yes, you have a lot of troops, but you have to spread out thin in order to get everywhere. And sure, mm-hmm. you can put a single troop on a planet and you subjugate it. But as soon as those troops are gone, they, they're free again. You're there trying to put fires out throughout the whole galaxy. And of course, the rebels are using that to their advantage, starting fires everywhere they can. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. And as you spread those troops thin, too, the rebels end up getting mission cards that say, if you win a combat in a certain way, you get a point. And moving that point meter up is really important. So you don't want to leave them too undefended so that we show up there with all of our troops against your tiny little units but you do want to cover a lot of ground to find out where we're hiding so there's that push and pull there it's like okay do i send a big fleet after what i see a little bit there or do i leave enough behind so you don't think oh i'm gonna send a a strike team out in the deeply hidden recesses of the galaxy yeah. <laughs> right. Hmm. The Empire in our game that we played was kind of moving like a rook move, you know, where they're just covering all the ground behind them and then stepping forward. And we were pretty much to the full other side of the map. Uh, so it took them a little while to march their way up to where we were. This map is beautiful. It's on two fold out boards that come together and all the components are high quality. Everything looks great. There's great miniatures to represent the ships and the other things that you can build. I think the nicest touch on those was the partially constructed Death Star that you must deploy on the map before its construction is even complete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when it's halfway done, you have to put the, the half constructed one there. Uh, because, well, it takes a long time to get those things offline. 
Yeah, and it's a juicy target for the Rebels. And looking at the map, I really understand now why they chose, why the Rebels in the movie chose Tatooine. That is a sweet position to hide (laughs) out in. It's way off at the end of the star system. Yeah. (laughs) But we didn't choose it just because we didn't want to be obvious. Yeah, yeah. Grand Moff Tarkin said it was too remote to make an effective demonstration, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, what I really like is this... uh, the art throughout the game is very well done, and the illustrations are based on the original saga. And the huge box that comes in is loaded with stuff. Well done components. Over 150 miniatures, 25 liters, and not one, but two Death Stars. And yeah. oh, yeah. the lasers are quite operational on this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Empire also had some great leaders. Uh, they were... I mean, they were just so powerful. I wanted to always hold them in reserve. I, I never came across anything that I thought was, you know, important enough or dangerous enough to actually risk losing Palpatine or Vader. Well, that's kind of there. what they did in the movies too, right? They didn't always throw Vader at the problem. Oh no, no. <laughs> but no. when he did show up, it was big trouble. <laughs> no, I mean, well, in the certainly in the novels and in the Star Wars universe, there's lots of situations where da- Vader got himself in trouble. Mm-hmm. We did use Vader for one mission, though. That is to capture a rebel leader. He's good at that. On one planet, we were trying to drum up sympathy. And, you know, we sent a leader there to drum up sympathy, like go from bar to bar and talk to people and be like, yeah, the <laughs> Empire stinks, you know, join us. <laughs> and and the only person the Empire had left to deploy was Darth Vader if they were going to oppose us. And we were like, come on, are you really going to send Darth Vader over here to like break up a guy on a soapbox? Lord Vader, they're recycling their cans and bottles on Malstair. <laughs> they're going green. <laughs> what should we do? We're sensing general ambivalence. How do we actually? Oh, and they did. They sent him. So our guy passing out pamphlets in the street sees Darth Vader's ship show up and everybody, everybody scatters. scatters. We definitely yeah. lost that one. <laughs> Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Star Wars Rebellion. Joe? Now, I enjoy adventure stories about ragtag bands and lovable misfits as much as the next guy, but I loved Rogue One, and I've always liked Star Wars as a setting for actual war stories. This game feels like an actual rebellion where the good guys are constantly fighting for their lives. There's not a lot of humor here, but I didn't miss it. Dig it up. Evan? I was lost on Dagobah while this was being played, so (laughs) once I scrape the muck and mire off, I'll take the chance to play. Mike? I was really on the fence about this one. It was well-designed, it was tense, um, and I'll have to revisit my opinion after playing the Empire, but for now, I definitely have to dig it up. Ed? This epic game evoked the theme of the Rebellion perfectly for me. I'd recommend this game highly if long and deep games are your preference. Dig this up. That's exactly it. For a game this long, I wanted to be a little bit more immersed in a broader mythos. Uh, This was really a war game. Uh, And so for me, it didn't quite satisfy. I will say bury it. Ed, where can you find it? I've seen Rebellion online and at local stores. The MSRP is about 100 bucks, but I've seen sales if you shop around. If you have thoughts about Star Wars Rebellion, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Star Wars Episode 1, Jar Jar Binks 3D Adventure Game. 
no designer credits. (laughs) (laughs) Would you want a designer credit? (laughs) Published by Hasbro in 1999. Number of players, two to four. Ages five and up. Playtime, 20 minutes. Okay, when we found this game while clawing our way out of the trash compactor, what were our first thoughts? Mike? Misa don't want to play this. Evan? My analyst said I should confront my lingering nightmares, so the Jar Jar Binks game checks that box. (laughs) Ed? Uh, So the goal is to keep Jar Jar safe. Uh, Do I want that? Joe? Wow, the game's description says I get to play Jar Jar's sidekick? That doesn't sound right, unless I'm shadowing him to uncover his true identity. Oh, don't go there. (laughs) Mikey brought this game to the table. Sorry. Blame blame him. But before we say how wooed, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. Jar Jar Binks and his sidekick, that's you, are racing home to Otagunga in a 3D adventure filled with action, danger, and excitement. Players use dexterity and luck to dodge danger every step of the way by flicking, flipping, and spinning their way through various obstacles. Race through the swamp and avoid the droid. Wander over the plains and don't let the Kadu buck you off. Travel underwater and hope the sea creature doesn't swallow you. You will earn badges of honor for your brave actions, and the first player to earn them all supposedly wins. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody really win? (laughs) (laughs) The art is stunning in this game. And what I mean by that is you will feel stunned. (laughs) I was stunned just after seeing the title. I mean, yeah, the title is quite a mouthful. Um, I don't think this game was ever actually intended to be played. (laughs) When I popped the box open, it could barely hold together. It was so flimsy and warped. Ugh. It reminded me of the box you get in a color your egg Easter egg kit. That's how oh. flimsy it is, where you pop out the back and stick your eggs in it. It was complete dime store junk. It reminded me of like a diorama that you'd made in second grade yes. science class with a yeah. shoe box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except my dioramas stood up. I'll give it a little credit for building a, an interesting-ish 3D uh, <laughs> pop-out. Now, Mike, explain okay. how you build the the set for this game. Okay, so when you open the box, you're supposed to put the lid, you know, standing up in the back of the bottom of the box. And there's a two little, like, clips that you put in to make the box supposedly open and close, which it never will. Um, <laughs> then you have uh, these, like, long stickers that you're supposed to stick on either side of the fold-out part, which one part sticks to the top of the box and one... St- part sticks to the end of the bottom I'm of the already box. confused right. make no yeah. no i got it's, this it's gross so i had to buy a special tape because this game's so old that the tape that it came with was like thin and yellowed and had no stickiness left to it so i got some super gorilla glue tape for it <laughs> all right <laughs> i want to compliment you on your effort oh thank you i tried hard to make this work believe me you yeah. did i remember <laughs> you i remember you texting that you're like busy setting up the jar jar game for tomorrow night <laughs> Like, yeah. like, yeah, talk about some assembly required. Quite a bit of assembly required. You had these spinners that you had to, like, clip underneath, and it came with a whole set of directions, yeah. Except for the minis, which were plastic, single-colored mini of Jar Jar. L- like an army man mini. 
Hey, yeah, right. it was bad. Yeah, <laughs> which which didn't quite stand up uh, as it should have. It was like unbalanced or something. So right there, the piece itself was yeah. difficult to work with. But I mean, this game was printed like over a decade ago. So, Twenty years ago. Uh, part of that problem is that I'm sure. Oh yeah, and whoever got the game never bothered to play it because it was still in a shrink wrap. <laughs> I mean, when it was new, maybe it would have held up better. Uh, the silly contraptions used for the dexterity-based challenges, both slapstick and deadly, faced by Darth... Um, I- I'm sorry, of course I meant Jar Jar, uh, <laughs> actually do the job, as does the board. Someone put some kind of work into that, but in the end, the best I can call it is okay. It's no masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> Joe, well, generous. Well, that, no, yeah, that is generous. There's a cutout, and it you fold it over to make it kind of into a springboard and you're supposed to flick it to have the Jar Jar miniature fly over the top of Qui-Gon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're supposed to flick it. Yeah. You flick it to make him jump over Qui-Gon. But the thing was made out of paper, basically. So you try to flick and it didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. The weight of the plastic mini was too heavy for the flipboard. It was too heavy for every challenge. And it's a good example of why these kinds of physical component games can be challenging to design. They're not easy. And and so you're start you're starting with something that's challenging to begin with and then they just took it to a place where it just didn't work it, at it all. And then you age it 10 years. And was made for mass production, so you know they took the lowest quality pot. Yeah. Well, this is what I often say about games that are designed off of a big movie or something like that, is that they don't take very much time in the game design oftentimes. And this one here is a glaring example of that. The demand to get this thing on the market is lightning fast. That's it. And it's one of probably hundreds of episode one games that were coming out in 1999 with the release of the movie. Didn't, you know, forget it. You're going to have no quality control. Evan, you're right. I said 10 years ago. It's 20 years ago. Yeah, it's almost 20 years ago. Yeah, they <laughs> well, they put a lot of eggs into the Jar Jar basket thinking it was going to be this giant marketing thing. And um, actually, I found a little trivia sort of that links into this. Um, so he, check this out. Michael Jackson was a Star Wars fan for a long time. OK, and, <laughs> you know, him and George Lucas became really good friends. So when the production got rolling on Phantom Menace MJ had the inside scoop on the film, and he campaigned to play the role of Jar Jar. (laughs) Now, it even gets weirder. And just for a little touch of irony, Lucas didn't want Jar Jar to be a distracting presence and felt that Michael Jackson's star power would overshadow the character. So he turned down Michael Jackson for the role. Wow. In 1999. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, not recently. That would be weird. So I looked on Board Game Geek for more facts about this game, and it is alarmingly empty there. <laughs> no, no, non-surprisingly empty. <laughs> yeah. We couldn't even figure out if it was Hasbro or Milton Bradley or both that made this game. Neither like one some... wants to take credit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Milton Bradley says it's Hasbro, and Hasbro says it's Milton Bradley. <laughs> well, ha- Hasbro is the one that ended up with the logo on the box. So, hmm. Oh, come on. They're both going to say it was an independent designer. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I think my favorite part of playing this game was Ed's vague disgust throughout the right. entire <laughs> experience. I didn't find it vague at all. Ed was disgusted by this game. 
<laughs> I mean, Ed is notorious for, you know, polite play of any game. And I think this is the most miserable I have ever seen him while oh, playing this a game. Oh, this is a test. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see it in his I, face. Like, at first, I was overjoyed at it a four-player game. He's like, okay, I'll back out. okay explorers it's time to dig up or bury star wars episode one jar jar binks 3d adventure game joe in light of all the time involved in setting this up there's just not enough separate challenges to give it much replay value it's an interesting curiosity to show people but as a game it doesn't pass muster so uh, bury it in the trash compactor with the dianoga evan look if this game were a blank skin with nothing to do with jar jar i would still bury it it just doesn't work as well as it really needs to and it fails ed i didn't expect much from this game and it fell well short of that (laughs) bury it deep in the gungan jungle oh ouch (laughs) mike well, my biggest satisfaction about this game was that I bought it as a gift for someone else, and now they have it back. But from the frustrating assembly to the flimsy, warped cardboard construction and barely functional gameplay, this game fails on basically all levels. Misa gonna bury it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for any five-year-old that got this game in 1999 <laughs> as a Christmas present, which oh. I'm sure many did. That's a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) So, to quote our favorite Gungan, excuse me, but the most safest place for this would be buried under Gunga City. Mike, avoiding the question of why, where can you find this game? There's a whole bunch of copies on stuff like Etsy or any kind of auction type site. Um, I don't think it's actively sold anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be shocked if it was, but uh, the prices range all over the place from 8 bucks to 25 bucks. If you have thoughts about Star Wars Episode 1 Jar Jar Binks 3D Adventure Game, we would love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on become a supporter today. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review. It really helps us grow. Join our chat on our Discord server. We are at Which Game First. And our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers. And remember, live long and prosper. Together, we can rule the galaxy at father and son. We embrace heights of transcendent joy to the depths of hatred and despair. Fearless, we welcome whatever paths the dark side sets us on. And whatever destiny it lays out for us. I'm afraid the defense shields will be quite operational when your friends arrive.